I don't know how long we'll be tonight, probably shorter than normal, but but this does just line up with this morning's message, and it lines up in a way that it's more understanding for the believers and for the church than it would be for lost folks, at least after this morning's message. Because it could get confusing, but I think that we will be able to understand it, and you'll see what I'm talking about in just a minute. All right, so uh, let's begin reading verse number 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims as abstain from fleshly lust, lust which war against the soul, having your conversation honest among the... the having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. And then we'll stop right there. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you, Lord, for the day and the many blessings you've given us. Pray, Lord, for those that are not with us tonight, for Kylie, that you give grace and help to her with the fever that she's going on, if it's her ear or whatever it might be causing it, that you give grace and healing and help there. Pray and ask you to be with Sister Debbie tonight as she's away from us physically, uh, unable to, to get here. I pray that you'll give her the grace and help, and Lord, may her joints loosen up, and Lord, that you give her uh, a little bit more freedom of movement and ease of pain, and we'll thank you for that as well. Pray and ask that you would um, just guide and direct in the services, guide and direct in the scriptures, just move upon us, be with Joe and Sarah as they continue to travel this evening, watch over them. Uh, work things out in the closing of the home, and uh, Lord, help her uh, as she's soon to be delivered in a few weeks. Lord, others on the prayer list that's expecting and soon to be delivered, give grace to them when the time comes. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. All right. So the last time, three weeks ago, I guess it was, uh, we were in, the last time we were in First Peter, the, the thing that we dealt with and that popped off my page at that time was the as. And we went through that, and of course we see that again once we got down here to the strangers and pilgrims, you know, as strangers and pilgrims. Uh, and then we went back and rehearsed all that we had seen before then, as obedient children, 1 Peter 1.14, as newborn babes, 1 Peter 2.2, 2. 1 Peter 2, 5, as lively stones. 1 Peter 2, 9, but ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. The things it doesn't use as, but the things that we, we were, uh, which in times past were not a people, but now are the people, uh, as strangers and pilgrims. And then verse 12, uh, uh, let's see here. No. And then 16, as free, not using your liberty, but as the servants of God, in verse 25 of chapter 2 here, as sheep. We dealt with a little bit of that, and we talked mainly about the 
pilgrims and strangers. And we touched on here in verse number 11, which we're going to go back to, we touched on there at the end, just briefly, but we, we, re- we did a whole lot of rehearsing as all these things, that, and we did a lot of uh, definitions and things with uh, the pilgrims and with strangers and how that we are to be living like that in this world. Um, that this is a temporary home. This is not what we want to, you know, and I understand the, 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 the life that we live in and having, you know, set aside enough to, to, to sustain you in your retirement years and, you know, and, and along those lines, uh, being the economy that we live in today and, uh, you know, unlike the Old Testament economy where it was upon the sons uh, or, you know, the, the, the firstborn to inherit to get the larger of the inheritance because they were to take care of their moms and their dads. And, of course, they dealt with that in the Old Testament economy, too, when there was no sons born to, uh, to the one man, and he had all these daughters. And what were we going to do as far as inheritance for the daughters? Well, they gave the daughters inheritance. And, again, it fell on the daughters then to take care of mom and dad through the inheritance, through what was built up. And so I'm not discounting laying aside for your retirement, laying aside for your later years. I'm not discounting, but through, through, but through the scriptures also laid out in the New Testament is getting our stakes so driven down <laughs> in this world that we fail, like Brother Brunson preached uh, a few um, few Sundays ago to lay up treasures in heaven, you know, and, 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 and being a heavenly people, then we are not necessarily to discount the earthly, but the, we should emphasize the heavenly. And I think if we have that mindset and have that forethought, uh, you know, in our, in our heavenly treasures uh, and just understanding that what we leave behind here have enough to sustain you, but what we leave behind, the moth will, uh, will corrupt, and the rust will take over, and it will fall apart and turn to ashes and dust and so on and so forth. And many times families are uh, driven apart, uh, fighting over uh, inheritances and things like that, and, and I hate to see that when it happens, but I have seen it happen. And uh, like vultures, you know, mom and dad has a cough, and they're circling their... <laughs> circling the estate, going, what's, what's mine? And it's like, wait a minute, I ain't dead yet. You know, but, but I have seen it almost, I mean, that sounds a little silly, but I've almost seen it that way. And, um, uh, and, and uh, in fact, it was kind of uh, a running joke, uh, even with uh, Brother Hall, uh, when he first, uh, of course, they, through the years, people had tried to drive him off and run him off and, and God sustained him in the ministry there. And then when he first mentioned, um, you know, looking at retiring one of those days because, you know, he did have some physical needs and he, he started considering God's timing in, in everything and, and maybe one day stepping down, it seemed like the vultures come circling around. Just, you know, I mean, it was amazing to watch as all of a sudden, you know, Word got out, Brother Hall may be retiring, Brother Hall may be stepping down, and the preachers that all of a sudden showed up, 
And it happens in churches too, uh, like that. But anyway, coming back down here to this, this passage of Scripture, again, the last time we dealt primarily with the strangers and pilgrims. Today I want to get to the bottom part of this, the second part of that, abstain as strangers and pilgrims. So there's the, the way that we should um, conduct ourselves is as strangers and pilgrims. But as them, then we are to abstain from fleshly lust which war against the soul. Now we touched a little bit along these lines this morning. There is this warfare, and I'm not discounting that. This morning we, we really dealt with the fact that our sins are gone. Our sins are forgiven. But the, we still fight this flesh. And even when we fail in this flesh... We have to understand and know. And there's where the confusion could be from this morning to the night. We still have to understand and know that in this flesh and in this warfare of the flesh, the sins are forgiven. But we will still be chastised, chastened, as a father chastens his son on this earth because of our failures and our faults. But when we get to the judgment seat, which we're going to see in a little bit, of Christ... It's all about works. Our sins are not going to be judged. They are have been judged already on the cross. And there's where, again, the confusion could be to the lost today. So anyway, so uh, we mentioned this the last time here. The mischief and danger that these sins do, they war against the soul. And therefore, your souls ought to war against them. And then this is Mr. Uh, Matthew Henry. The grand mischief that sin does to man is this. It wars against the soul. It destroys the moral liberty of the soul. It weakens and debilitates the soul by impairing its faculties. It robs the soul of its comfort and peace. It debases and destroys the dignity of the soul. It hinders its present prosperity and it plunges it into everlasting misery. You know, again, our sins are covered. And, and again, brother, and I didn't, I meant I was going to go there. I wasn't led. I mean, in, in the, I had so many things that I could have, could have, would have, should have, I mean, could have went to. But brother, Glenn dealt with it this morning in the verse, in the first Verse of Romans chapter 6. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? See, we could get into that mindset of our sins are gone. It's behind God's back. It's in the depths of the sea. It's as far from the east as the west. So because our sins, past, present, and future are all forgiven, I'm just going to go out and live like the devil. God forbid. That's exactly right. And so, and but that's where and some people do that. That calls themselves Christians. But if they if they do that, if they're the ones that call themselves Christians and goes out and just live and say, well, you know, I made that profession. God, you know, once saved, always saved. And so <laughs> Uh, once I, and I can just go out and and you know and continue to live in my sin. No. Because if you sin, 
then there is that chastening that comes your way. And if you fail to have the chastening, your sins are forgiven. They're under the blood. But the, the failures in, the, in this flesh, we're going to be chastened. And in, in the flesh, when we fail and when we fall, we are going to be chastened to do right and to be conformed there again to the image of his son. There's a conformity that goes on here. And so what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? And we know the flesh fails, but we also know that, uh, again, chastisement comes when we fail, even though it's perspective. God has totally forgiven, forgot, and cleansed us from all of our sins, past, present, and future. And so he looks at us, and, we are, and when he looks at us, we are, he's looking at us in the righteousness of his Son. The righteousness of his Son is placed upon us. Our righteousness is as filthy rags, the Bible tells us in Isaiah. But his righteousness is placed upon us, and he sees us as white as snow. In Christ. So again, it's rightly dividing the word of truth, getting things in perspective, and preaching what I preached this morning is right. But then I can come in tonight and say, well, we fell in the flesh. Well, wait a minute. You said your sins were gone. Yes, they are. In this angle, in this perspective that God sees us, but at the same time, we are still in this flesh. We wrestle against it. He'll get to it in Romans chapter 7 and the wrestlings that this flesh is and we're to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And there, we have all that those writings by the Apostle Paul as well. And we see here Peter dealing with this as well as strangers and pilgrims because we have a destination. We dealt with Vanity Fair a little bit the last time we were here. You know... Christian had the destination of the celestial city in, in the Pilgrim's Progress, and, but he had to pass through Vanity Fair. And Vanity Fair pulls on you and tugs on you and tries to get you to stay there and, and, and whatever. And, and some people, you know, fall and falter in Vanity Fair. Some people falter and then get back out on the right road some people just falter and, and fall away and so on and so forth. But, but, but we are to set our sights on the celestial city. We're to set our sights on the end product. You know, the, the press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God. You know, and we, we gave that Brother Hall plowing that row. He said, pick out a, a point and plow to that point and your, your furrows will be straight. Instead of looking back and trying to do it that way. So as pilgrims and strangers with a focal point of heaven, then we are to abstain from the fleshly lust. And it says it is a warfare. Mr. Um, Henry goes on to say, Of all sorts of sin, none are more injurious to the soul than fleshly lust. Carnal appetites, lewdness, and sensuality are the most odious to God and destructive to man's soul. It is a sore judgment to be given up to them. 
And again, you could go, we're not going to take the time there. I am going to go give another example in the Bible here in a moment, but we could point to the, the fella in Corinthians. He gave in to some fleshly lust and went into his father's wife. But it doesn't say his mother, so it's probably his father, his stepmother, if we want to put it in those terms. Which was odious to God, which is destructive to man's soul because, why? I mean, they said turn him out. It'll save his soul, but the flesh will be destroyed. So, I mean, it gives the account in, in that light, in that, in that passage that we can fall, falter, we can fail, and the, this, and the flesh can be destroyed. But if we're saved, again, going back to this morning's message, God's going to see us as pure. We look at Lot. We'd say, ain't no way. He's righteous. I mean, you know, he didn't lead his family as he should have. I mean, if you count ten... If there's ten righteous, Lord, will you spare the cities? And if you read it right, pay attention to the pay attention to the plural words. He had Lot and his wife, the two virgin daughters that were still in in the house. His other, at least two daughters that were married, daughters plural, and their husbands. And it mentions sons, plural, in the scriptures. Ten. If Lot had a just got his family in, Sodom and Gomorrah would have been spared. And Abraham figured, surely Abraham, Lot got his family in. <laughs> but we know the story. And then he comes out with his two daughters and his wife, but his wife turned into a pillar of salt because she looked back, and he comes out with the two daughters, and we know that he lay with his two daughters, and they conceived by their own father, and we're like, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. He didn't even know it. The lust really was on the daughters' parts in that story. They got him drunk, and he didn't know when they lay down, and he didn't know when he got up. And then some folks say, well, it's okay for, for Christians to indulge in alcohol. What gives you that? I mean, look what it did to Lot. Got him in all kinds of trouble, and they're still paying for it over there. Because, but out of, and those are two, two examples that didn't come to me until just now, but the one example coming to me as I looked over this was in Psalm 51. <laughs> and David. Again, a man after God's own heart. And from this morning's message, he looks past, present, future sins. They're covered under the blood. But at the same time, this flesh, which wars against the soul, we read about in, in, in Romans 7, 
and when it said when Mr. Henry talked about it weakens us, it debilitates the soul, impairing our faculties, it robs us of comfort and peace, it debases and destroys the dignity of the soul and hinders its presence, prosperity, and plunges into everlasting misery. David was miserable when his sin was confronted. When a preacher put his finger on David's sin, <laughs> even though, and, and we under, I understand the Old Testament, New Testament economy, but we just apply to the New Testament economy to David, being saved and secure in the blood of Jesus. Still yet, if we fell into David's sin, we would experience the feelings that David experienced. And when we fall into sin, when we give in to the flesh, we experience these same feelings. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me. Now, why did David feel needs wash? He felt dirty in his sin. He's a child of God. We're a child of God. And when we sin, that Holy, the Holy Spirit that dwells within us, when it talks about grieving not the Holy Spirit and quenching not the Holy Spirit, I, but that grieving, I mean, you could preach a long time and just the grief part. When our children do wrong, put it out on facial on social media now. See, I'm learning a whole lot before social media, but some things happen before social media that now all seven of mine get together and they say, oh yeah, Dad, by the way, you didn't know this happened. And I'm like, don't. Island Ford Baptist Church has got a drainage ditch. They call it a creek, cross creek. When it doesn't rain, it might be this deep and about that wide. But it's a huge drainage ditch when it does rain. <clears throat> and I've seen it out, out of the banks. When <clears throat> trash gets in the, in, the, in, in the creek, cross creek, when trash gets in it, it's backed it up to the point where it's touched the side of Island Ford and actually come underneath the wall into the auditorium. And I've seen it just raging. And used to, where it went under the road, you had the culvert, big concrete culvert, probably, I don't know, at least a six-foot tube, probably, going under the road there. And used to, it just went through the road. So if you got sucked in one side, at least you was going to hopefully pop up on the other side of the road. But then... Across the road, they put in these storage buildings, and they took that drainage ditch, and they, and they just put they just put culvert underneath it and covered it all up way on down into this farmer's field. So you're going a good probably a quarter mile before you come out. And I told my boys, the boys, stay away from that, stay away from the creek, stay away, especially when it rains. Don't get near it. And then later on. Me not knowing, apparently, boys being boys, drawn to water and dirt and mud and whatever. <laughs> it was raging and full, and they got curious. 
And later on, I mean, they're grown. They say, Dad, remember Cross Creek you told us to stay away from? Yeah. Well, Joshua fell in and was getting ready to get sucked in underneath the, the road. And if it wasn't for Andrew being there with a stick or whatever, reaching in and grabbing him, Joshua might not be here today. Things like that that I didn't know about. And then, you know, oh, yeah, Dad, we did this and we did that. And I'm like, it grieves me that they disobeyed me. It grieves me that I could have lost them. Then it grieves me now that they just blatant out on, well, one of them's not so blatant, the other one is. Showing pictures in church at the Christmas service, pictures in church at this service or that service. But then, you know, like I mentioned this morning, Saturday night, shows them at a gathering with their friends, got their bottles in their hands, and unashamed. And if their that if their sin grieves me, their earthly father, what does our sin do to our heavenly father? What does our sin do to the Holy Spirit of God that is living in us? It grieves him. And that's why we feel grieved. <laughs> When we fall in, when we give in to them temptations, when we give in to them sins, when we give in to the flesh, when we, you know, as this warring against the spirit that's within us, and we give in to the flesh, it grieves the spirit, and we get grieved, like, like, like he was feeling here. I feel dirty. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before thee. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop. There's something in there to be purged. There's something there to be washed, to be cleansed. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hear me, I'm sorry, make me to hear the joy, hear joy and gladness that that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Did he physically break bones? No, but... You feel broken inside when you realize the iniquity. You realize that you sinned against God and the Holy Spirit is grieved inside of you. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And it robs you of your joy. Verse number 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. And then will I teach transgressors thy way and sinners shall be converted unto thee, which brings us back over to 1 Peter. In our text here, when it says... Um, 
go. As strangers and pilgrims abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, semicolon, keeping going, having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas, the, whereas they speak evil against you as evildoers, they may by your good works which they shall behold glorify God in the day of visitation. And we kind of dealt with people's watching you. They see you. And just like when, when, when David's joy was restored to him, how that those that were without, the transgressors and the sinners that were without seeing him and were converted, then those that watch us by and our actions... You know, we can destroy, and like Brother Glenn, I think, has has pointed out, you can do, and others have pointed out too, but you can do good for 40 years and mess up one time. And they're going to remember for you for the mess up instead of for all the 40 years of good. That's why that abstinence... Abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. And we, we we've rehearsed it. We kind of you know made it funny with the with a little pet sin over at the other place. But we we tinker around and toy and keep it close. We're not to do that. Abstain from the fleshly lust. Of course, um, it's not exactly <clears throat> biblical, but some of the some of the people will take the you know the white dog and the black dog, and whichever one you feed is the one that's going to prevail, kind of sort of thing. We have a new creature. We have a new spirit within us. We we are new creatures in Christ. So to have the black dog as a nature, I think that that old the old Adamic nature is saved, it's delivered, but we do still live in the flesh. So again, it's not really a hundred percent good preaching because the nature, the Adamic nature, is made new. We're new creatures in Christ, but we still live in the flesh, and that's again. Uh, and uh, and uh, what Brother, Brother Mitchell said, and what he, he shared with us this morning is good as far as that mind goes. And then what Brother Hall said, as far as you know, our souls and our spirits are redeemed, but we're still in this flesh, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of this body, to be able to set this flesh that gives us so much trouble down, that wars against the spirit that's drawn away and enticed. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak evil uh, uh, against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify God in the day of visitation. I wrote these there, I put these in. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ 
that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that which he has done, whether it be good or bad. And then back to 1 Corinthians 3, verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. You are the hu- God's husbandry. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wide, wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereupon. Thereon, But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's works, every man's work of what sort it is. If a man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. And we see that already correlated in the fact that we are that chosen generation. We are that uh, lively stone built up, as we've read here in Peter's writings. But it's the works. But I think, to, to again, to bring it all back together in, a, in full circle here, in this one sentence... We're to deal with this flesh, and one of the things that would help us deal with this flesh and the warfare that we experience, that's a good word, that we experience in the flesh is to focus back as strangers and as pilgrims. Keeping our eyes looking up. You know, and we've kind of dealt with the second coming of the Lord. We dealt with that a few weeks ago. And living our lives as if this is our last day. Living our lives as if he's coming tonight, tomorrow. And if, if, again, if we see heaven and we see our goal and we see like Brother Glenn has pointed out several times about not necessarily, and, and other preachers I've heard preach, Along those lines, I'm not necessarily looking forward to the judgment seat of Christ. Because I know fire is going to fall. My good works, gold, silver, and precious stones, I'll be rewarded for. But how many of our works is the wood, hay, and stubble that's going to be just burned up? It's been mentioned by Brother Glenn and Brother Tim, our motives behind the works. Brother Tim, I'm just using this as an example. I know it's not this way, but I'm just using it. Brother Tim and Brother Josh come out and trimmed out those bushes. It was done before I knew about it. (laughs) Get a phone, go, hey, we got this done. I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, anyway. That being said... They could have done it with the look at me attitude and come in here, you know, 
They were standing out in the parking lot and everybody get out this morning. And I said, look what me and Josh did yesterday. I know you guys wouldn't, but they've done a work. They've done a work for the church. But they've done a work for the church with the wrong motive. Standing before God. Oh, yeah, that time that you trimmed the trees at Sooner Rose Baptist Church. Yeah, that's ashes. Because of your heart and your motive. (laughs) Burn up. You did it for the flesh's sake. You did it for recognition's sake. But if you just, like they did it, just done it, not to bring recognition. Like I said, you know... (laughs) I knew about it when they was done. And I only probably knew about it because they wanted to know where to pile the limbs. If they already didn't have that question, the limbs would have been piled and I'd have come in going, hey, somebody done cut these trees. <laughs> Who could have that have been? And, you know, again, we're going to stand before God in judgment. And I like... The song, I've mentioned it before, Brother Kenny Calloway, don't be left standing in the ashes before the Lord. It would be a sad day to get there and no reward. Zero. Because we went through this life fleshly. We went through this life not abstaining from the fleshly lust. We went through this life with ulterior motive. We went through this life with look at me attitude. Everything that we've done, we've done selfishly for self-recognition. The Bible talks about it in another passage of Scripture. Well, they have their reward, and you do. You can go ahead and get your pat on the back by the brethren. I've been there. That's why I'm so adamant of late in my life to be very careful to give. We dealt with this a few weeks ago. Give God the glory. In everything that we do, having that motive to bring glory to God versus glory to our own selves, that'll be burnt up. Said you'll be saved. That's all. No reward. You'll get in. No reward. It's all going to be burnt up. You'll be standing in the ashes. I don't want to be that way. People are looking at us our, and the way that we live our lives. The Holy Spirit is within us and we're to walk in the Spirit. There's so many other things that we should be tied into there. Walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Don't, you know, as we wrestle against the flesh, you know, put the flesh down, bring it, bring it under. I mean, gird up the loins of our minds. So many Things that we could run references in tonight, but I think you guys get the point. But my main point tonight was after this morning, as a follow-up, this morning's message, we are to be excited to know that we are covered. We are free from all of our sin. At the same time, not that we're going to be judged for our sins. Our sins are already judged, judged on the cross. We have this flesh. And we will be chastened when this flesh fails. And again, so 
And if we will just keep our eyes on the prize as pilgrims and strangers, then, and in the realizing that these Gentiles, as they see us, they'll see a difference. They see our works, and then they will glorify God. And again, I ran the reference, I think, the last time there in Matthew, I believe it is chapter four or seven here. Nope, chapter five. Let your light show shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. People's watching you. And when they see something in you that they don't have, they see something in you that's different, and they start inquiring what's different about you, how can you go through the trials with joy? I'm not saying it's pleasant. I'm just saying, and I'm not saying you're happy about the trials, but with joy. They see something different there, and they come to Christ, and they say, because I can look back in my life, and I can give you names of people that I seen Christ in, that I wanted something that they had that I knew I didn't have. So we see it in Peter, we see it in Matthew. People are watching you, and when they come to Christ, then they too can find joy and pleasure in the Father based on your good works and your example before them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for the day. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God. Lord, how it's real to our lives. And Lord, as we go out Monday through Saturday this week, even just Wednesday coming in and getting an extra dose of grace, Lord, to carry us through the rest of the week. But Lord, help us, dear God, as we go through the week, Lord, too, as Peter has admonished us to abstain from these fleshly lusts which war against the soul. But Lord, realizing that as pilgrims and strangers, we have an eternal destination and we will stand at the judgment seat of Christ and we will be judged as by fire. And Lord, help us, Lord, to also remember that folks are watching us. Folks are examining our lives. And Lord, we want them to come to Christ. We want them to see in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. May they see Christ in us, and Lord, may they desire what we have, and may we have an opportunity to share with them the gospel that they too can come to Christ as their Savior. Pray and ask that you be with those that were here this morning lost and without Christ. Lord, I pray that this morning's message will go home with them. Lord, people that have are maybe worn with their flesh presently or warring with things that they've done in the past, not thinking that they can get saved. Lord, you know their hearts. I ask and pray that you will help them to, to realize that like the chief of sinners and so many others in the word of God, the maniac of Gadara that was mentioned this morning can be saved, they can be saved too. And I pray that they'll come to Christ before it's everlasting too late. I ask and pray that you'll help us through the week, use us and guide us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. We'll have a song of invitation. Feel I feel led to do that. If the Lord's spoken to you in any way, I invite you to come and take it to the Lord.